and welcome to Game and Watch with Aaron and James, the podcast where we talk about games, women, gaming, and movies and TV shows we have been watching. I am Aaron, and I'm James. Uh, and today we're going to do something a little different. We're going to do uh, two TV episodes um, f- for the classics TV series and book series Goosebumps. Yes. Uh, we are not covering the Jack Black films one and two. We decided, you know, maybe someday, but we decided to uh, to go with the classic. Yeah, we wanted to do a TV show. And I mean, we came up with this idea in the middle of recording last week's episode. <laughs> we did, we did. <laughs> and we were just like, why did, why not? I mean, we Wait, why did it. it take us this long to, to think of this? I don't know. I, and in part of me, like, I'm really excited to talk about this TV series in general and the two episodes yes. we did for it. I almost like it wouldn't have worked because it would have the episode would have been too long. But yeah. I wish that almost we had like 10 episodes to talk about. Oh, I know. Spinoff podcast when we get a Patreon. Come on, guys. Pay <laughs> they pay us thousands and we'll do it. And we'll then we'll do we'll we'll do the books also. Yes, every single one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh tell us a little bit about this the series in general, I guess, before we get down to the nitty-gritty of the of the TV show. Yeah. So again, this is a, a TV adaptation of the very popular R.L. Stein book series, Goosebumps. I think the book series started in the early 90s right i, I mean it, i i, I like, it, like 92 91 92 yeah i think welcome to dead house was 92 yeah and, this, and i remember say cheese and die was was uh 92 and that was like book yeah. four those are like book one and four yeah yeah so so the series as a whole so scholastic the publishing company wanted rl stein to do a horror themed series for younger kids uh more kind of for a younger audience than the very popular at the time Fear Street series, which was more aimed at the teenage demographic. Um, well, I, I just, and, yeah, go ahead. So, yeah, yeah. So what's really, really interesting is that R.L. Stein before this time, before Fear Street, was known as Jovial Bob Stein, who would write... <laughs> would write joke books for like little kids um, for Scholastic. And that was his thing. And I think he did a newsletter too, like a joke themed newsletter for kids in schools. Um, but he was obviously a competent writer. And so just kind of out of nowhere, Scholastic's wanted a horror book for teens. And either it was Scholastic's directly, I can't remember the, the full details, or uh, R.L. Stein's agent um, who were like, hey, like he can do this. Um, so the book was called Prom Night, and it was so good. He R.L. Stein was so good at it. It was very pulpy. The chapters are very short, um, which was kind of perfect for younger people and teens to read. Um, and it involved like murder. It was very, uh, you know, kind of hardcore, especially compared to Goosebumps. And so it was wildly popular. So they're like, spin this off and do a whole series. So R.L. Stein in statements has said, like, I never really meant to be like teen and children's horror master. Like this was all kind of a mistake. Yeah. Um, but I, I kind of love the, you know, history turned that way. Yeah. And, and if we weren't explicitly clear before, we are not talking about the TV series yet. We're talking no. about the book series, how the, the origin of the book series. Well, I mean, at this point, it's like an entire multimedia franchise. But exactly. This, is, this was its beginnings. Exactly. Because I think the, the TV series was released, like started in like the mid 90s, like a couple years, at least a couple years after the first book was published. Yes. Right? Yeah. And tellingly, um, I think Fear Street began as more popular. But again, tellingly, Goosebumps got its own TV series. Fear Street did not. I think Goosebumps kind of took off and Fear Street like waned a little bit, though Fear Street did continue for a long, long time, um, you know, uh, parallel to Goosebumps. Yeah. I was going to say perpendicularly and I'm like, that <laughs> makes really, <laughs> no. really no sense. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, so Goosebumps was born of everything we just mentioned. You know, the the series, I would say, started very strictly like horror, grounded in horror. Like if you go back and you look at like maybe the first. Like Stay Out of the Basement, <clears throat> Welcome to Dead House. Yeah, like, even the titles alone yeah. were just very. And then, then they get a little they get a little silly, right? Like where, which one is like, uh, why I'm afraid of bees. Oh God. Well, why I'm afraid of bees is why I'm afraid of bees. No, I, um, no, no <laughs> like I mean, which one, which one which, is why I'm afraid of bees. No, which, which, uh, which book, <laughs> like how quickly did, did um, it get? Cause isn't that an earlier? So yeah. Earlier so one. why I'm afraid of bees is a little earlier. Um, go eat worms is a little earlier. And I think yeah. go eat worms is just like the absolute peak or actually nadir of like, it's the peak of like random kookiness is the nadir of quality for the series yeah um but yeah even people have said that one day at Horrorland is kind of where things got a little too kooky to to be horror like horror as much anymore mm-hmm. um i actually love one day at Horrorland, but i definitely would say by the time we get to go eat worms and that's not to say that other entries in the series are not kind of more yeah. horror themed like um werewolf skin's really good and that's a late entry to the series there's still really good entries um yeah but and, they're just they just get like goofy a little bit. Right. And like why I'm afraid of bees, I just I just looked it up, is is book 17 and Whoa. Go Eat Worms is book 21. And I really if I'm you go back and you look before book 17, that, I mean there yeah, one day in Horror Lamb is book 16. That's that might have been where it started to get a little kooky. Yeah. But there there's hints of it in earlier. I mean, there is well, I'll, I'll talk about it in a little bit more detail in a second. Cause I think we might need a welcome to camp nightmare corner for, for a second, but yeah. that, that like that, that the end of that one is just ridiculous. Well, but, but, but fair, good, but it, 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 yeah. Yeah. If you're eight, it's great. Um, oh yeah. If, if you're an adult, it's a little, I don't roll my eyes at it now either. I, I, I remember like thinking about it for before this episode. I don't remember why exactly. I guess I was making a list of, of books and it, it's still like it's clever. I it makes yeah. me kind of chuckle. And I think too we should mention if you've never heard of Goosebumps, never read Goosebumps, I find that unlikely but possible. Um, they're full of like quote unquote uh, suspense uh, breaks. Yes, like, chapter breaks. I use quote unquote very very loosely. <laughs> Um, but the idea was every chapter is very short. Every chapter ends on a cliffhanger. The way that's replicated in the TV show is essentially cut to commercial. Uh, like that's really it yeah and then uh typically the show features or i'm sorry the the series features twist endings Um, yes do you want to talk a little bit about the tv series yeah so again goosebumps kind of skyrocketed in popularity and so uh it did have its own tv show um however uh it, it was relatively low budget it was produced by a canadian production company um i didn't actually catch the name but you'll notice uh, all the actors' accents, they do have Canadian accents for the most part. Um, and it was filmed entirely in Canada. Um, however, I did read that they purposely tried to pick historical homes or historical sites or just um, areas that would be very visually appealing to film in, but would correspond to the budget. Mm-hmm. So for a lot of Goosebumps episodes, there's just like wide shots of industrial areas um but which i think is the way uh, you know that they're getting around the budget however there are legitimate uses of kind of historical sites that i think work um we didn't watch this episode but uh in a night in terror tower 
they go to an old timey prison that's supposed to be tower, you know, tower prison in London. It does not look anything like tower prison in London, but you can tell it is a very old historic prison, presumably in Canada. So when they could, they tried to, you know, squeeze it together a bit. Yeah. And like six, seven year old me would have not known the difference yeah. at all. It's, it's pretty incredible going back and looking at the show in general as an adult person versus well, when I was a kid. What's interesting too, is you can see how the budget went down as the seasons <laughs> went on because yeah. we watched um, Say Cheese and Die, which is a relatively early episode in the series. Yeah. And then we watched How to Kill a Monster, which is <laughs> a late series. And the- Stark in- contrast. Stark contrast. Like the, we'll get to it, but the interiors for uh, the camera one, Say Cheese and Die, are actual interiors. But the yeah. interiors for How to Kill a Monster are like weird laser tag arenas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's pretty phenomenal. Yeah. Um, so uh, the other thing too is there are a few notable alumni. Um, you noticed one that I did not. Um, well, no, I mean, I would notice something like that. It's uh, how many people know all the actors in Zach and Miriam yeah, make a porno. <laughs> that's a really good point. But uh, the two main ones people talk about are Ryan Gosling, who is in the Say Cheese and Die episode. Yep. And Hayden Christensen, who is in Night of the Living Dummy 3, yep. um, which is a bad book and a bad episode. I, I, I know. Well, I know we'll, you we'll, disagree. You, you know, no, no. We'll, we'll talk. I'm going to I'm going to diagnose uh, why I might have liked the book. I, I'm, we'll, we'll get into it in a second when we get to the history. Sure. Uh, I've got some thoughts that you might, I, I, I'm curious to know if you agree with how my like six, seven year old brain worked uh, with, okay. this, with this book series. Yeah, Th- that's fair. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, what I didn't realize in the development is that they were really targeting the VHS market um, and they would release VHS tapes of say like the ghost next door, which was two, I believe two or three episodes. And so those episodes would be on just the ghost next door tape, et cetera, et cetera. There would be some tapes that would be several standalone episodes all on the same tape. Um, they were heavily marketed. Uh, there were serial tie-ins, all kinds of things like that. Goosebumps in general became very, uh, heavily marketed with like, I had Goosebumps bed sheets. Uh, there were Goosebumps like pencils, pencil, you know, all kinds of different things. Yeah. No, notably not toys though, which I think was under RL's like specific conditions. And I'm okay with that. I can't say that. I, I mean, I consumed yeah. everything Goosebumps related, but I, yeah. I didn't need toys. I, the only toy I would like is Monster Blood because it already exists <laughs> and it would have been like cute and easy. And I would have as a little had been, been like i am monster blood I, I remember two things one i think i remember gak yeah i well, remember that's what i mean pretending man. like gak was like monster, monster blood. blood and you remember dr dreadful yeah th- those uh that like i would like you could make there was one of yeah. them that you could make this like eat edible goo or something yes, and i think yes. i called that you could, monster you could, blood once. you could make them into like edible bugs right yeah correctly yeah. yep yep <laughs> Um, so I remember seeing these and renting them constantly at Blockbuster when I was a kid because my older siblings and my, my dad would be renting like, you know, <laughs> aliens and movies that I wound up watching, but I shouldn't have. <laughs> um, but my, my mom's compromise is like, oh, I can rent Goosebumps. And I read Goosebumps obsessively, which we'll get to when we talk about our history. But um, do you, you remember seeing these everywhere, right? Especially oh, absolutely. The, what I mean is the VHSs, specifically VHSs. Yeah, and I, I owned like, one or two of them myself. And it, yeah, I just wanted to rent the others and catch the others on tv um, and such so i i believe as successful as the books were um i don't think that the vhs's or the show was nearly as successful but more successful than i really thought until i looked into it yeah yeah so did people like this people did like it i think i mean and, i mean the book obviously the books were a huge success but you know, in terms of the tv show like the the target audience 
which age, kids like age five to 12, which was, they, they reacted well to it. They must have, there were extremely high VHS sales. Um, but again, like objectively, low production quality, <laughs> bad acting, some of the same <laughs> actors and like, and like background actors too, um, you know, low budget, clearly. But, well, but, yeah, true. Well, I was just going to say, like, that can work, like, having reusing actors and say, like, The Twilight Zone or yeah. if you're stretching, say, Law and <laughs> Order, you know, shows with slight levels of gravitas. And this, it definitely comes across as, like, ah, we just, there are 10 actors in Canada and we got to use what we have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the, the nice thing about this, though, I mean, again, objectively, this is kind of a bad show. But I don't. I don't think kind of. Uh, it's a bad um, show. It's a but, bad show. But 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 like you know, not bad. Where I'm saying, don't go watch it. I would no, recommend no. watching it if you never checked it out when you were a kid, and you never read the books. Then there might be nothing for you, unless you, unless you want something really campy and silly, uh, and to get it, to, you know, try to get a glimpse back at what other what might have been popular during the day. But like, if you've never checked out the show and you were a fan of the books, I actually find that hard to believe. But if yeah. you know. Go back and check it out. I would say Lebanese is going to get that out of the way now. I would recommend this show. I would also, especially the early ones, stay out of the basement, say cheese and die. I think those are legitimately on, on the on the Goosebumps TV show scale. Say cheese and die, Haunted Mask, stay out of the basement. If you're going to watch any, watch those. Those are far and away the best episodes of the entire series. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. I, there, I think there are ones that I would have liked more. I, I thought Say Cheese and Die was going to be one that I would really much in, enjoy rewatching. And I, and I did like, but I, I think like in terms of like what I'm looking for now, which is just so bad that it's hilarious. Yeah. I don't think Say <laughs> Cheese and Die quite True. fell into that, that category. No, it, As we'll talk about it. It was actually kind of, yeah. kind of good. That's yeah, like, exactly. For a exactly. Goosebumps uh, adaptation. Again, exactly. On the sliding <laughs> scale. Yeah. Um, there is, I mean, there's at least a silver lining to all of this. Wouldn't you say? Wait, oh, what, what, what do you mean? Like, well, just that, like the, the silver lining of the whole series is like kids who didn't read could get, could get into the story. Oh yeah. Goosebump stories. And then it could, you know, I think it led to a lot of kids reading Goosebumps themselves. Um, and it also was kind of a reward. Cause like I read the books, you read the books. Um, so when, you know, the, a night in terror tower episode came out as having read the book, it was like, Oh, that's really exciting. I really, really want to watch it. Um, so I think actually Goosebumps in general and the Goosebumps TV series had a way more positive effect on reading than a lot of, especially parents in the nineties would uh, like to believe. Yeah. And you know, you're, you're hearing all of this from two Goosebumps book fans and like we're people go- who are we're, fan- we're yeah. bump heads. We're, we're, bump real, heads. we're real bump heads. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just roll with that term. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I I hope this doesn't isolate uh, anybody because I, I think that this is like, I mean, if you didn't read the books, I, I doubt you're going to go back and read the books now as a, however old you are, depending on how old you are. But like, you can always go back and check out this series. And I, I really would encourage people to do it. Um, I, I'm planning on going back and watching more episodes. This, this kind of filled me with, uh, like when we did the Winnie, Winnie the Pooh episode, I went back and I watched way more than we had said we were going to watch. And I didn't do that for this one, but I, I plan to. Um, I yeah yeah, and I think you could divide the episodes into like purely camp or mostly camp, 
or mostly competent. Yes. And I think we hit both ends with these episode choices. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think we yeah. it ended up working itself out and we didn't yeah. necessarily plan it that way. No, no, but um really quick before we get into our history with the books and the TV series, I mean, it should be like recognized that R.L. Stein for the there was like a little bit of a stumble out of the gate uh between like 1992 for about a year, 1992-1993. I think he put out like 10 books. And then pretty much from 1990, like mid 1993, all the way until book 62, Monster Blood 4, like 1997, December 1997, we got a new Goosebumps book every month. Yes. That yes. was and a new amazing. <laughs> yeah. As, as a kid who loved this series, that was incredible. Knowing I would that you could look forward to that every month. I would pick up the new Goosebumps and the new Animorphs once a month when I was shopping with my mom at yeah. uh, Dominic's as a kid. Dominic's. Dominic's. I, I think I would pick up most of my Goosebumps at Target. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Target was a good choice. Yeah. Um, but here's a fun trivia fact. So uh, I learned this about R.L. Stein. He signed a contract with Scholastics because people accuse him of ghostwriting these books, some of them. And some of them do seem drastically different in style, tone, and vocabulary than others. However, uh, what the contract did stipulate is that other people could submit outlines that he would then fill out and write. So technically, he did write every single mainline Goosebumps, but some, who knows how many, were based on the outlines drafted by other people. Um, also, the Choose Your Own Goosebumps, which I adore, um, they're essentially Choose Your Own Adventure books um, that are Goosebumps. All of those were ghostwritten, um, which is devastating. Or all, but I believe the first one were ghostwritten, which is devastating because I want RL's hand in it a bit more. Yeah. But if he was pumping, also he was pumping out one Fear Street a month too at the same time. So, I mean, the guy was just insanely in, you know, in demand and busy. So I kind of get it. But to anyone who uh, says that he ghostwrote any of the main books, I, I do disagree. There is evidence that says he does not, or he did not. However, I will fully accept that he used other people's eyes. We should have asked him when we met him. God, you know, I, I think that would be very insulting. <laughs> it would have been. Um, for, for anyone who was listening, we did actually meet him. We're not making that up. But we know we were never going to mention that. Also, to be fair, um, we I did ask him about one obscure, like, kind of obscure goosebumps. Like, I had a question about the books. And he immediately peppered me with, like, contradictory facts to why I was wrong. And they were very obscure stories that I did not even remember he wrote. So I think his, he does have like an encyclopedic knowledge of all of his writing and goosebumps. So I'm going to give the guy a pass. Yeah, I, yeah. absolutely. He's a yeah. legend. He's a, yeah. he's yeah, a staple of our childhood. Do you think that this has been, uh, this has been foreshadowed the whole time that when he dies, he's going to peel his skin off and he's going to become <laughs> Curly the skeleton. And I hope so. All, and it'll all finally make sense. <laughs> Curly never made sense. It was his master plan. Yeah. Curly yeah. the skeleton, ne the mascot for Goosebumps that never appeared in. Never once appeared. No. Never once. Now he's um, just, now Slappy's the mascot, which I disagree with, but go on. So we, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like that. Um, we, we've, sort of peppered in our history. I mean, we've both been reading the, I mean, our history is that we've been, we read the books since like we were first able to read and yeah, we've been watching the TV series since it came out. I mean, there, since there we're are, able to see, since we're able to see <laughs> and here, uh, since we had object permanence. Yeah. Um, I will say as I went and I looked through the episodes, there were definitely more episodes that released than I realized. And I think I did stop watching at a certain point. I'd say I watched too. well over half, but not all of them. 
Yeah, me too. And also, uh, the show comes up with a couple original concepts. Yeah, and then and then also, did you ever read the like tales to give yourself goosebumps? And it was like twenty short stories. Um, a little bit. I, well, I did, wasn't a huge fan. So here's the thing: I ran into a collection of all of those <clears throat> in one hardbound copy wow. at, at a half price books for two dollars. Definitely bought them and read all of them. Um, they're kind of fun uh, if you have them all together, but several of the episodes come from those, which is yeah. also interesting. Also, interestingly, uh, I think those work better as episodes because they're such tiny stories than the full books do. Yeah, which is kind of interesting. So let's let's talk a little bit about our favorite books and, and episodes. Episodes I'm, I can do really quickly just because my my memory isn't perfect. I remember thinking Night of Terror Tower was actually pretty great. Uh, and The Haunted Mask is just a classic. That's Yeah, I believe that's just the best episode of the series. It, it definitely is. What about you for episodes? Yeah. Um, stay out of the basements, especially oh, again. Yeah, for, yeah. yeah, for target audience, for like a seven-year-old kid, stay out of the basements kind of fucking terrifying. Yeah. Um, same thing, like your dad turning on you. Like, I don't know, like my dad was the nicest person to me growing up, but like, I, I could like, again, very nice. Never raised his voice. Like I've never, ever like spank me. Nothing like that. Very nice. Very kind. Great dad growing up, but I could just see he worked in construction. I could just like see how strong he was and like how potentially scary he could be. Yeah. Um, and say, uh, no, not say cheese and die. Stay out of the basement was like, what if dad turned on you? Yeah. It's like, oh fuck. That would be really horrifying. Yeah. Because a seven-year-old kid. Any any book that had parents being like keeping a secret yeah. or or just flat out being yeah. bad people what yeah. was was pretty terrifying as a kid. Yeah. I loved, love, loves uh Werewolf of Fever Swamp. I oh, yeah. loved uh Escape from Camp Nightmare. Come on. Welcome uh, to Camp Nightmare. Or welcome to Camp Nightmare. Yeah. Um, I also love any of the camp ones I really loved. Uh yeah. or a camp jelly jam, like gold star. Yeah, oh, yeah. My, my, I wrote down as many books as I could think of uh, for favorite. I, I mean, I try to keep the list under like. Well, 10. go on I, because I got, uh, go on because I'm sure we'll agree on that. I got Ghost Camp. Yes. Welcome to Camp Nightmare. Yep. Horror Camp Jelly Jam. Yep. Uh, Beast from the East. Oh yeah. Vampire oh. Vampire Breath. Yes. I have the Blob that ate everyone. Disagree, uh, but I am gonna throw on Legend of the Lost Legend on there. See, I that's that one I disagree with. Fair enough. From from what I remember, you probably read it more recently than me. And then Egg Monsters from Mars. No. Okay. Okay. No. No. So 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 no. This Please. this. I knew you were gonna say that. So yeah. that this is my perfect segue into. I'm an. All right. There are three categories for my Goosebumps book fandom. There is content. Okay. There is whether the book cover was so cool that I convinced Ooh. myself I liked the book more than I did. Okay, under that metric, a lot of the books, I, I, yeah. I get it. Especially and that's, when you're and like, that's Egg Monsters from Mars. Yeah. And then yeah. there's the marriage of the two. Which is sublime. Which is like... Like, the cover to Welcome to Camp Nightmare, I feel like matches the dread inside. Yes. Much like also the grinning, horrifying man on the cover of the horror of Camp Jelly Jam. Yes, yes. And then I guess there's a fourth category of the cover sucked and the story sucked. Like go eat worms. Why, well, go eat worms. Why I'm afraid of bees. Yes. Yep. Ding, and ding, chicken ding. chicken. <laughs> also monster blood four. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> what the hell? So I will defend the blob that ate everyone. I thought that was extremely clever. Uh, even though I'm pretty sure it's been done in twilight zone uh, or at least that's, that's yet another, well, I'll, I'll throw out the blob part, but 
So I'll throw random at like random like adventure stories on there that aren't yeah. really horrifying. Nine like, Terror Tower kind yeah, of. Yeah, or um like uh, how I got my shrunken head, or um like Deep Trouble oh, yeah. and Deep Trouble Two. Like those are more adventure stories. Isn't the the Pasadena one? Um, yeah, that's like of. that's like an explorer adventure story, Legend of the Lost Legend. The other yeah. ones, which we'll get to in Say Cheese and Die, are just straight up ripoffs of Twilight Zone episodes, which I'm glad you mentioned. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah. R.L. Stein yeah. is an admitted Twilight Zone <laughs> fan and. You can tell. Yeah, uh, the blonde that ate everyone is one of the best Goosebumps book covers. I'm, I'm just gonna say it. I, I, I love it. It's ridiculous. It's so I stupid. I don't tend to I like gelatinous ooze. But... Oh, see, I'm a huge gelatinous ooze head. <laughs> so, uh, if we want to jump right in, yeah, let's get ready? let's get in. We're doing uh, how, how to kill a monster. Yeah, do you mind if I take uh, take that a little oh, bit? Because a- was, a- absolutely, yeah. I, I will interject every once in a while. So, yeah, we each kind of took one um, based on our preference for the book and or the episode. Um, so, my favorite Goosebumps book is How to Kill a Monster. Uh, not great uh, as a Goosebumps book. Uh, it's fun, but not the best in the series. Yeah, but I just have such nostalgic fondness for it. Uh, I read it on vacation when I was driving uh to our family cabin in wisconsin and that's the only book i had for the trip so i wound up reading it like 10 times um and loving it uh so let's launch into it uh we're going to talk about the episode i'm going to interject and talk about a couple things in the book from time to time um that i think are some of them make sense as changes some of them make absolutely no changes Mm -hmm. or some of the changes make no sense yeah Okay, so we have um, a car pulling away, um, and you can tell that it's supposed to be a swamp, but it's only a swamp because (laughs) there's some weird, like, willow-type things they put in the tree and some weird banjo music they insert every time there's an exterior shot to trick you into thinking that it's a swamp but it's clearly just like a forest preserve in canada oh absolutely Um, yeah but (laughs) yeah uh, a boy and a girl have been dropped off their names are clark um and gretchen and tell us about clark i mean i'm just gonna say first clark is played by i think his name is ricky maybe or ricky mabe uh who is not an actor that i've seen in anything but ricky maybe is an incredible name but zach it's but zach and mary make a porno uh where he has the exact same mannerisms and like cadence that he does in this (laughs) in this uh it's almost like Kevin Smith saw this episode of Goosebumps and said, hey, I want you to just do that. But like, you know, with my dialogue, honestly, he probably did. Uh, Clark is my favorite part about this episode. He is a real piece of shit. He yeah, he really is. He is a big asshole who's like who man like at the age of however old he is, maybe like seven is already like an uppity elitist. Yes. Who okay. just is all about the city life and thinks yeah, that he, he doesn't hate this like hates this like backcountry shit. <laughs> he loves the city life. I said Clark's line delivery is like Richie Rich meets Caillou. And I I, I don't know anything about Caillou, but Caillou you had a, you had me at Richie Rich. Caillou is a fucking twerp. Caillou is a twerp <laughs> and no one should let their kids watch him. Um, I feel like I was too old for Caillou. Were we too old for Caillou? Or maybe I, I just didn't. I just never I watched it. I work with. I worked for the last decade with children and children with disabilities, so I get a lot of. Caillou oh, I thought you were. Cases. I thought when you were you were saying that you'd watch it. No, 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 no. Okay. Um, uh, I guess really one more thing about Clark. So I, his line delivery. I mean, the line delivery in general of this episode is great, but his line delivery in particular, he is just this sassy douchebag, and yes. it's just delightful. I, I, I think I said it earlier. I'll say it again. I liked this episode more than Say Cheese and Die, even though I picked Say Cheese and Die. 
And I, I get that because this episode is absolutely bananas. Yeah. Um, so we get Gretchen and Clark uh, as they're dropped off that we immediately get the setup. So their parents uh, have gone on a honeymoon together. Um, they are step siblings. Uh, Clark does not like that because he's a dick, um, which we'll get back to. And they have been dropped off at Gretchen's grandparents uh, while their parents are on their honeymoon. Um, that is apparently in the swamp. We get some exteriors of a swamp that I'm not sure is real. Definitely not in Canada. Um, and then we get, can we just camp on this for maybe yeah. the rest of the podcast? <laughs> um, yeah. Can we camp on the clearly, clearly <laughs> fake model of a house that they use for all exterior shots? And it's not once, it's about three or four times. <laughs> um, tell us about the model. I mean, like it, how, how long other did than it, it take, just looks like a model? <laughs> how long did it tell you to, how long did it take you to realize it was a model? Uh, zero point yeah. one seconds. Zero point zero 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 one seconds. I, I will say I, I love that you pointed this out. I am not I'm not as outraged as you are. Not outraged. I, I I'm not as appalled or like uh, I don't know. I don't know what the right word is, but I love that you're that you want to talk about it. I mean, yeah, it's it's so so clearly fake. And just like you can tell just by the way that they shot this, like that you like the way that they a lot of the things in this show in general are shot in close up yes. because they, you just can't like there, there are shots of people going into doors where that are that shot are... so close up that you got to wonder if the door is <laughs> yes. actually not even connected to anything. I don't think it is. I don't think it is. And I think you just said it and I didn't notice what was weird about the cinematography, especially compared to the, the say cheese and die in this. And you're right. It's, they can't do wide shots in this because they don't have the budgets for sex. <laughs> And I I think I truly, truly, truly believe that they used a huge chunk of the budget on this model. So they're like, fuck it. We have to use this thing. Like even some of the interior shots, I know we'll get to in a second, like look like they they built one wall and they just kept moving it behind whoever was talking. (laughs) Yes. Um, It's it's horrible. Also, like what I don't understand, I don't you know, I'm filters are in nowadays through digital means but was there no way they could put a filter over like some kind of filter over the shot of the model i'm really hung up on the model by the way we're yeah we need to we need to move on but i just suggestion yeah like what if they just did like a vaguely hazy filter over the shots of the model and i think they could have pulled it off or just send some guy down to new orleans and have him like photograph like dilapidated house and then just come back and just use that as like okay. stock footage. What do you think they had the budget to send someone down, give them a per diem for even one night, get a hotel room and fly them back. You're right. I they must've really so. been like, yeah, they didn't have any budget at all. So anyway, they go inside or actually they're met by their grandfather. Correct. Who's like the backwoods hillbilly guy. Grandmother. Grandma. Oh, that's right. No, the no, they, 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 they don't, they don't meet anybody yet. The grandpa comes home later and then they get in the house and yes. they run into grandma. Yes. Who, so they, they, grandma who very clearly does like tries to scare the kids. Yes. Also who has a gumbo stand, which is like, we're led to believe that this place is in the middle of nowhere for monster reasons. So it doesn't really make sense that she would have a gumbo stand. Um, but they fucking love gumbo. Can you yeah, talk they, about some gumbo? They, 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 their gumbo. First of all, I'm actually not the biggest fan of gumbo. I don't I've, like gumbo. I've tried it, and I just, I don't. I like Cajun food in some ways, but I just can't get behind gumbo. Um, their the pot that they use to make gumbo is so enormous they could eat for three weeks. It's like a witch's cauldron. It, of gumbo. it really is. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. 
Um, so I, I, this is a change. There was never gumbo involved in the book. Gumbo was never mentioned. There was no gumbo. The mother, the grandmother is making blueberry pancakes in the book. I understand the gumbo now. We'll get to the gumbo. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. I, I need you to get to the gumbo at, at a certain point, but yeah. the, what I want I want to point off two, two things that kind of go on throughout the episode and maybe I'll call it a line or two. We mentioned that Clark's a dick he reacts to every little like shitty thing that's happening around them with, with, with something super. I was in the city. Yeah, exactly. Like I told my mom not to marry into this family. Like that is harsh, which also you're seven. Do you think your words carry any weight? (laughs) Exactly. That's what I really, I like, I really wanted to pull him onto the screen and be like, don't you understand how adulthood is just endless disappointment? Yeah. And then you mentioned like the, the banjo music, like this half, it's, it's so half-assed. Like it's, it, they're not even trying. Yeah. It, and it's, if you notice, it's typically an exterior shots. And I think they're just trying to trick your brain into thinking they're in a swamp. And instead that they're just in a Canadian like yeah. forest it, preserve. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. And it's the most like Cajun-y like, it's like it's not even it's like it's public domain cajun music it must be i think it's not even that it's like they didn't even write a full song no like they are a full lick like it's like a half a lick when i say half-ass i mean literally like they wrote half like the music if it were video game music the loop would be five seconds yes yeah yeah (laughs) yeah um, so, uh, we get the, them eating gumbo. Um, and then we get obviously monster noises coming from elsewhere in the house. And we get obviously dodgy answers from the grandma and grandpa that are like, don't worry about the strange noises. Um, so they're told that there's a forbidden like storage room, which of course, if it's forbidden, they're going to go there. Um, I, what the fuck even happens? The monster gets released, right? They, they release the monster, right? Oh, Gretchen yeah. does. And then she goes to call Clark, which is like, great idea. Send your little brother in alone to look at a monster. In typical Goosebumps fashion, Clark's like, there's nothing here. Um, and, and what, what happens next? Uh, well, the monster attacks them. It sure does. And um, what does the monster look like? <laughs> um, Okay. I, I was really trying to search for the words and I was going to try to put it in the outline and I blanked completely. Um, I, I guess part of the monster looks, you remember that show Dinosaurs? Oh, who could forget dinosaurs? It, it kind of looks like a scarier version of that type of model maybe, but without the friendly face, but like with like the face of like something from the thing. Sort yes. of. But yes. that's giving the, it's giving this a lot of credit. It's giving it the is. costume people and the makeup people a lot more credit than they deserve. Well, here's what I think it is perfectly, and I think this will testify to the quality of it. It has big Power Rangers enemy of the week energy. Yes. Would you yes. say that's fair? Yes. It's like that level of quality. <laughs> it's like goofy, but like there's enough monster signifiers to where you're like, if this were actually professionally done, this could be good looking, but it looks just like a foam rubber suit. You're absolutely um, right. Fun fact, I, I found this out when I researched the episode. The prop master just took, like, the, the Goosebumps prop master, like, the guy who did all the props, mm-hmm. he just took all of them with him when the show went under. <laughs> they didn't belong to him. Like, they belonged to the production company. But he was like, bye. Wow. Maybe um, he started a haunted house and he just has all of those in there. Probably. Um, yeah. Also, sorry, go on. I was just going to point out that the monster also has a six pack. He really does. Yeah. He's really for being as chunky and like 
vaguely Barney like as he is, he does get a lot of muscle and like claw definition. Yeah. Um, in the book, the monster is uh, literally has a gorilla body, but the only difference is that it has green fur and it has an alligator's head, which I'm actually going to go on a limb and argue that that's a more realistic monster than this one is, um, <laughs> place in the Goosebumps world. Um, yeah. I mean, all, but like, also like, couldn't you see a Goosebumps plot where like the grand, the grandparents are actually mad scientists where and, they've like, been like splicing? splicing gorillas with alligators. Hell yeah. <laughs> the other thing too, we didn't mention it before, but when they're eating gumbo, Clark has this very unexplained, strange, like Stephen King psychic child moment where he very dramatically predicts that there are swamp monsters. Yeah. Like that have secretly been evolving for millions of years in the swamp. Yeah. And it like, it doesn't need to be there because it's called How to Kill a Monster. <laughs> and it doesn't happen in the book. It, he, it just gets very intense and they zoom in very close on his face and his delivery is awful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um sorry so we were we were we left off at like what happens when the monster gives chase and you want to yes. talk about the staircase well okay that goes so, nowhere so the staircase knows goes nowhere but before that do we get them reading the letter we do right because oh then, yeah then they yeah. use the staircase yeah you're right so they flee to the kitchen which again the, like where anything is in this house is completely up for grabs we have n- there's no sense of like place in the home um, so they're in the kitchen and I guess that means they're safe for a minute. Um, they read a letter that the grandparents left. I don't know why the grandparents left them a letter and didn't just find them and tell them what was happening again, who knows how big this house is. Um, but basically like, Hey, we're going into town. Um, don't, uh, don't go into the forbidden storage said, um, and we have a monster in there. Right. And <laughs> grand, grandpa yeah. shot it, grandpa shot it and he brought it home and it came back to life, which is actually a valid reason i think in the book it's just i don't know there's a monster here which yeah why would you think why would you bring it back i don't well it makes sense to me because if you killed something like that and you're like holy fuck what is this i would bring it back and like i would go to a scientist i wouldn't like had just have it be in my house but i would bring it back so two questions for you one what kind of grandparents do you think these are? Do you think they're they're the, like the give you candy kind of grandparents? Or are they, they like are. the psychologically torture you type of well, grandparents? Well, so in, again, in the book, they're very much the give you candy grandparents. And in the book, they're very kooky. Like, we just didn't know what to do with this silly oh, okay. monster. I, so I didn't we, remember that. Yeah, in the book, they're like, we didn't know what to do with this silly monster. So we keep feeding it blueberry pancakes. Like, they're they're that kind of grandparents. Whereas in the, in the show, they seem... Like, they seem shadier than they need to be a little bit in the show. Would you say that's fair? Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's very unnecessary. But so they left them in the house of this monster. Earlier when they were exploring, they found a staircase to nowhere, which again, like, what the fuck is going on with this house? Um, and they they realize that if they use the stairway to nowhere, they can uh, have the monster chase them. At the last minute, they can swing around the banister and have the monster fall off. I like that when they do this, as they're swinging around the banister, you can see the monster behind them. They have five seconds. And Clark stops to complain about Gretchen telling him what to do. And it's like, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> you know what, pal? She's trying to save your life. If you want to die by being eaten by the monster, like, go fuck yourself, kid. Yeah. Clark, work? Clark is a real, real piece of shit. He's a real piece of shit. D- uh, does this work? Uh, I mean, it gets the monster to fall down. And they think they've uh, incapacitated it. Right. But they it did not. But they did not. So uh, they do have a plan B. And this plan B is why the gumbo makes sense to me now. Um, 
Chekhov's gumbo? Chekhov's gumbo. It, it is Chekhov's gumbo because in the book, uh, which like when I was thinking about it, it, this always bothered me as a kid. I was like, it's not gumbo. Like, why is there gumbo? There was never gumbo in the book. Uh, because in the book, much like in the show, they plan to poison the monster. However, to poison the monster in the book, they find all the poisonous things in the house, like cleaning supplies and detergents. And they mix it in all in a pie and let the monster eat it. And thinking now as an adult, I'm like, uh, maybe don't advocate on TV for kids to mix up a bunch of poison. <laughs> so now and unchopped gum- garlic, just raw yeah. garlic. And so now it makes more sense to me that they would use gumbo instead of like toxic chemicals. Um, so now I'm kind of more okay with the gumbo. Um, but they try and poison the monster with the gumbo. Um, again, check out this gumbo. The monster, it's very, um, you know, it's too spicy. The monster, again, seemingly dies. Um, but again, it's only seemingly the monster doesn't die. How do they finally kill the monster? Well, sorry, before you, before we go into that, I wanted to say like for a, for a brief moment during this episode, and again, I say this as someone who did not remember like reading the book, and I'm pretty sure there was no gumbo in the book. No. Um, I thought that they were making the gumbo in real time. And that there wasn't already gumbo that they were just putting ingredients oh, into. So you thought they were like slow simmering the gumbo for like seven hours? <laughs> yeah, I thought was... it would be like they, or the, the show was trying to imply that they were able to make gumbo in like the 30 seconds it took for the monster to get downstairs. I have a feeling that this is the kind of household where there's just always a pot of gumbo like stewing. Based always. On, based on their enthusiasm <laughs> about the gumbo. Yeah, I mean, imagine like being these kids' parents and picking them up from the airport when the kids have like weird like nutrition problems and, and like, like swamp diarrhea, <laughs> like yes, yeah. the swamp um, shits and like weird parasites from like the sw- the swamp. Well, also yeah. apparently, if he's fine shooting a swamp monster and bring it back, he's definitely shooting like weird gamey parasites. Yeah. Animals. Well, the thing I was going to ask you, the other thing I was going to ask you earlier is. Would, if you were a parent and this was the the house that your that your parents lived in, like, would you want your kids to visit your grandparent the grandparents often? Well, here's the thing: we never unsafe. Act, we well, yeah, but we never actually meet the parents, so we don't know what they're like. Maybe they're also out of their fucking minds. <laughs> they probably are. They probably know. are. Actually, um, we don't we don't know the parents. Maybe the parents, uh, you know, the obviously Gretchen's mom or dad, grew up with these grandparents. Maybe monsters were just a regular occurrence. Yeah. Maybe, and they're like, you know what? The kids have to kill a monster at some point. Yeah, this. Well, I mean, yeah, that's yeah. like that's quite literally like another Goosebumps uh, book twist. The kids have to kill. I love that as a title. The kids have to kill a monster at some point. <laughs> you know, how about this? Uh, <laughs> kill a monster by thrusting your hand down its throat. Dude, yeah, because that's what camp, happens. Camp Clark gets that. Clark gets cornered, and the monsters like got his face all up in Clark's grill. Um, and Clark's thought. Again, a monster with like razor sharp rubber teeth uh, is up in your face. Do you, do you think that in the first 20 things, like thoughts that went into your mind, one of them would be, I'm going to shove my fist down this monster's throat, I the think place a, where it would, would normally eat me? I think in a way Clark realizes that he's just a real piece of shit and that <laughs> he'll be miserable always in life. And so he's just like, you know what? Let's just do this thing. So he truly does like thrust his like fist and arm down the monster's throat like he's really into it um, yeah. in a way that made me uncomfortable to watch <laughs> uh, because I don't know what Clark's into nowadays as an adult oh I don't um, know but he really jams that fist down the monster's throat what happens uh the monster uh starts like choking or like does he sneeze 
he sneezes and then collapses and dies and, and explodes. So, well, that's the thing. So you're like, well, we can't really believe he's dead. So how do we know? He explodes. And let me let me just say this. Edgar and I watched X and then watched this immediately after. Yeah. Edgar turned to me and said, the monster's head exploding was more graphic than anything in X. I I agree. Uh, Maybe with the exception of the way that, uh, what's her name's boyfriend dies, the first kill in X. That was pretty pretty graphic. That was, but otherwise, yeah, I think I would agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so uh, what, what, is, what does Gretchen say? Why did the monster explode? <laughs> Clark, the monster was alerted to you. And he's like, cool. Um, <laughs> so I don't know what's more ridiculous because in the book, the monster says this in English. In the book, the monster asks, it says out loud, hey, I'm a, are you human? And they're like, yes. And he's like, oh, I'm allergic to humans and dies. That's how it happens. Uh, that's a pretty tame ending. It's, it's pretty tame. Well, no, that's not the ending, though. The ending is actually <laughs> horrific. Um, <laughs> you have a good question, which actually is a terrible question. Uh, you said, where do we see Clark and Gretchen 10 years from now? Yeah. Have a good relationship. I don't think Clark and Gretchen are going to live through the night. Because okay. tell, us about, tell us about the ending. Sure. But then, it, but then I want you to pretend that they do. And I want sure. you to tell me what, <laughs> tell me, tell me whether or not their relationship is good. Um, so they escape through like this this underground mine cave that they found themselves where the, they kind the, of the coal shoot the coal shoot yeah yeah and they get then they're back in the swamp and oh and tellingly they've locked like all the doors are locked and I believe after the coal shoot closes like they can't get back in and don't think I just in this one they read a letter and they say like hey we locked you oh, guys in the house no, because we didn't it, want you to leave right. so that's on the back of the letter oh right right I never thought yeah. To check. So they, tell us what is on the back of the letter. They're like, hey, there's uh, grandpa shot a swamp monster and brought him home. There's swamp monsters out here after dark. Don't go outside. We locked the door to the house to lock you in so you couldn't leave. Yeah. And in the book, they specifically mention the swamp monster has hundreds of like family members and they're all mad that yeah. we took him. So essentially the children will die. That, that's pretty much true and then like the and then they look they're like oh no gulp they look into the sky and like it turns dark really fast exactly um which so, uh, actually i'm pretty on board with as an ending i like it i like it it's a pretty grim ending but all it's, right so let's yeah. say they survive okay do you so, so number one do you think their parents are still married and if they are and actually regardless do you think that they keep in touch do you think that they're like estranged or no um, I'm going to say Clark and Gretchen see each other like four times a year for holidays and the occasional anniversary for their parents. I'm going to say they, I'm going to say they don't have a good relationship because oftentimes when people are, are in very trying circumstances, um, they either bond forever or they never want to see each other because it reminds them of that, you know, circumstance and it's neither one's fault. It's just, they can't, it's like touching a hot stove emotionally. They just can't do it. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to say that's, that's where they're at. It's like, they can't see each other because it reminds them of this horrific experience. I, I think I agree with you. I'm going to go one step further and say that, okay, so Gretchen aged like 30 successful, you know, self-made, just good head on her shoulders. Just got a good life, maybe married at the time. Who knows? I think Clark. That, well, hold on, hold on. Yeah, I yeah. think she invents the razor scooter, and that's sure. how she makes her millions. I like it. Yeah. Uh, Clark, uh, unmarried, um, wears an ascot 
uh, goes to yacht parties, but doesn't have money to afford a yacht. He just tries to like get in with social circles that are above him. Exactly. And tries to basically live a vicariously glamorous life uh, and gets is clinically depressed. Would you say he's all about that city life? I would say he's really about that city life. Um, The kind of guy who would stay in the city too long even though we can't really afford it anymore. Yes. yes. Um, and probably ends up living it with his parents when he's like 37 or in a real twist goes to live back. No, here's the thing. The grandparents die. They leave him the house. Oh, and then even he, though, the, even though they're not his grandparents, Ooh, that'd be a great twist. He ha- here, it's like the only home he can have though. Yes. I think he'd rather be eaten by swamp monsters. than live Here's, in, here's what I'm going to say though, based on how this book ends. I'm going to say this warrants a sequel more than any other Goosebumps because love how, right, how they get out of the swamp, like how to kill a monster too, them eluding hundreds of swamp monsters instead of just one, I think has way more potential than like Deep Trouble 2 or like Say Cheese and Die 2. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to point out some differences in the book because yeah. it annoyed me. I've already said a lot of them, um, but the house and its interior also make no sense in the book. It's <laughs> described as not just in dimension, but physically it looks and is designed like a castle, which makes no fucking sense to me because no house is designed like that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then also it mentions that it has multiple quote unquote gymnasium. This is from the book gymnasium sized rooms. Which what it why do they, why do they have gyms? Gymnasiums are like can we think about that for two seconds? <laughs> big gymnasiums are yeah. I don't understand that. Um, and then just a little note: Clark isn't a piece of shit in the book. He's a chubby little nerd. He likes comic books. And there's literally absolutely nothing made mention of the fact that they don't like to be uh, step siblings, or really that they even are. Besides in the beginning, and actually in the book they work really well as a team which I appreciate because in the episode they did kind of the thing I hate most uh, with siblings and goosebumps where they're shitty to each other. I like when they worked as a team and like they're nice to each other as siblings. And I think it's odd that they like flip flop that for the TV show. Cause I think it's to its detriment. Yeah. Um, so that was how to kill a monster. Yeah. Let's... To no, no, I, I'm good on that one. All right. So next we've got say cheese and die. Which uh, I'm not going to do that. I'm not <laughs> going to say cheese and die. No. I'd rather not. Don't, I would. Yeah, you shouldn't. So we mentioned this earlier that this is actually not that bad of an episode. It's I'm, I'm going to say instead of good, I'm going to say competent. It's, yeah, a, it's com- actually competent. Competent. I, I again, I didn't like it as much as the other one, probably because it's not as ridiculous. But so this is not my favorite Goosebumps book, but it was one of my favorites for a while. I think Ghost Camp is probably my favorite Goosebumps book. And so I, I but I picked this because it was one of the first ones that came to my mind, but it, it was one an episode that I remember very much liking. And I think it was because it was not perfectly faithful to the book, but it was like maybe more faithful than some of them are. No, and, unquestionably. Yeah. And to get it out of the way, this is, we mentioned R.L. Stein's like affinity for, for, or his, his affection for Twilight Zone. And this is basically the episode of Most Unusual Camera, which is about thieves who come across a camera that when you take a picture of someone, it shows that person's like immediate future. But almost always bad. Almost always or, bad. Or, yeah, ba- always bad, right? Uh, no, in, in that episode, there's oh, like, oh, like you're yeah. going to find like some jewelry and yeah. then they find some jewelry or something. That's something. true. That's true. Um, so we mentioned Ryan Gosling 
before he is in this. Um, you can, and, and maybe this is the benefit of like knowing what he's like now. And, but he, he's going for it. Like he is like by far the most skilled actor, including the adults. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, and he like, but he, he acts and, and this is not an insult to young or current Ryan Gosling. Like he, he has got some of the same acting chops now as he, and mannerisms as he does as he did back then. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty I incredible. Mean, you can apps like from second one, you know, it's him. And just like you said, the way he talks, the way he moves, like it's Ryan Gosling. Yeah. Um, he's a he's, very good protagonist for this. Much like the protagonist of X. He's got that X. <laughs> he does. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this starts with him and two of his friends, it kind of breaking into this factory where which is which doubles as this like laboratory for a doctor nicknamed spidey yeah also the bad the wide shots of factories and industrial settings get ready for those to be reused in almost every other goosebumps episode (laughs) yeah i mean if you would if you had not told me this was canada i would have thought it's either canada or cleveland ohio (laughs) yes (laughs) um so (laughs) They stumble across, I mean, they're kind of just like raiding this, this, uh, this laboratory and they come across the a camera, which I remember seeing, would, would you assume it was a camera? Not in the no. slightest. I remember seeing this and I probably was angry when I was a kid and I was like, what the fuck? This doesn't look like a camera at all. Uh, so how would you describe what this camera looks like? Um, I think it looks like a prop from the Shaq movie steel. That was also made in the nineties. <laughs> Because it's like, it's, it looks like his helmet. Honest, honestly, it, it could basically be Shaq's helmet in the movie Steel, but just filled in and slightly designed like a camera. I, I like that probably more than what I was thinking. And I, I would say it's like H.R. Uh, Geiger made a, <laughs> was asked to design the camera. No, it's like H.R. Geiger at age four was asked to design Right, because if it was, if it was current H.R. Geiger, it would have had like something penis-like on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or something veiny yeah. or I don't it's know. it's really it, it's disappointing like it, it, it's it's ridiculous looking like the, the 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 camera like takes it looks like a spaceship kind of like a, like, a, like a spaceship toy and so that's the thing actually if we can camp out here for sure. 10 seconds that yeah. like goosebumps i think when it's good doesn't insult kids intelligence it insults your intelligence constantly like in the books <laughs> and in the show but i think it's good when it doesn't and I think it insults children's intelligence that they have to make this, the camera look like a crazy alien-esque thing yeah, um, yeah. because it doesn't trust kids enough to be patient for five seconds and see that the camera is bad. Yeah. Like they have to make it look like this weird, creepy thing mm-hmm. when it's like, if you just wait five seconds, you'll see that the camera is bad. Absolutely. Yeah. And so they take a uh, they take a picture of one of the friends and it shows him kind of like in midair, like falling off yes. like a staircase and then immediately after he falls and i mean he like doesn't die or he just kind of hurt, hurts himself a little bit um and they're like whoa that's weird um he's like oh yeah you must have taken like that's a cool action shot it's like oh no 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 i took that before you fell and you're yeah. like uh-oh yeah. uh-oh um so they go home or uh, ryan gosling's character goes to his house i actually don't even remember what his name is what's his name greg uh i think it's ryan gosling no it's, it's ryan gosling yeah yeah, yeah in yeah. character or as himself. Yeah. Now, about Greg, I think it's Greg. 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 So Greg, he takes a picture of his dad's or his older bullying brother uh, in front of his dad's new car. And he seems very disturbed by what he saw. 
uh, and he like he doesn't want to tell the brother what the, what's in the picture yet. And he kind of holds you in suspense a little bit because you don't see the picture just yet. And brother's like, show me the picture. He's like, no, 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 no. So Brian Gosling runs up to his room and looks at the picture and the front of the car is like wrecked. And so he is like very nervous. And at this point, he is obviously put it together. He's, he's not an idiot. He sees two instances of the same kind of thing happening and knows exactly what's going on. Well, again, which makes him smarter than most Goosebumps protagonists. Exactly. Like, I appreciate that. Like, without super, super spelling it out, it's clear, like, okay, Greg knows what's going on. In a lesser Goosebumps story or Goosebumps book, he would show his friends, which kind of happens here. And they would have to, like, hold his hand through, like, this camera takes a picture of the future, but it's bad. But no, he he kind of gets it. Yeah. Uh, so there's a quick dinner scene with where the, the, the main point of the dinner scene is for the dad to be like, let's go joyriding in my new car. But before that, there's this ridiculous line where the older brother <laughs> is like, that. mom, this chicken is delicious. And she's like, this isn't chicken. This is veal. He's like, oh, well, it tastes like chicken. Like, which, which I, I, don't eat meat. I don't eat meat anymore, but I know that veal doesn't taste like chicken. Anybody knows that. Yeah. Um, I, I think this is weird RL humor. I couldn't remember if this is in the book or not. But there is one in the book, like he just throws in random, like, because again, he used to write joke books. There's one in another book that I'll never forget. I do forget which book it's in, but I, I won't forget the scene. A mom is cutting onions and she goes, I know there's a trick to not cry when you're cutting onions. And I, <laughs> I think the main character goes, what is it? And she just goes, I don't know. I'm like, That's yeah. pretty funny. That's actually <laughs> funny. Um, so I think he like, I think the writer is actually like, I think that was intentional. Yeah. So the next thing that happens is actually a pretty good, not misdirection. I forget, It's more like suspense building. And, and I, I give like RL some credit for this because I think that he doesn't always do this where like you're waiting for the next bad thing to happen and then it happens where this kind of delays it a little bit. It lets it play out a little more and builds the suspense. Yeah. So, so dad wants to go driving the new car. Greg is very nervous about it. So the whole family is out in the middle of the night, kind of like on the highway driving the new car and they almost get hit. They almost get crash into a truck. Well, and, and that, so you, again, you're, you're supposed to think that they're going to get into this car crash now, but they don't. Well, and that I feel like, especially for a kid's book, is actually a really suspenseful scenario because as a kid, you kind of have to do whatever your parents tell you to do. You also can't drive, so you can't be in control of the car. Yes. And you know this crash is coming. So I think specifically for a kid, like, this is actually a very suspenseful situation. Imagine this is not in the 25-minute, like, TV episode. Imagine this is, like, an entire movie. Like, this scene would have been played out to, like, increase the tension. And I think it'd actually be done very well. I agree. I agree. Not that it isn't done well, but it's it's these episodes are so fast. I don't know if we even mentioned this. They're only like 25 minute episodes. Sometimes they're two parters. How to kill a monster is 21 minutes. It's insane. Yeah. Not that that a lot. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so then there's a dream sequence. I gotta which, love the dream. Sequence. I love the dream sequence, which is the kind of mirroring the um book cover, which yes. is a family of skeletons who are barbecuing uh and it's a picture of a family of, of skeletons and so like you know the family they're they're having this ridiculous like slow motion like dream sequency barbecue and ryan gosling's like i'll take your picture and he takes the picture of the family and he looks at it and they're all skeletons yes classic classic 
Uh, Which, I mean, to be fair, is that wrong? Like, no. Like, take, the camera takes pictures of the future. At some point, they'll be skeletons. Not Curly the skeleton, to be clear. Not Curly the skeleton. Or I suppose they could have a change of belief, either religious or personal, and get cremated. But we don't know. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, so the next thing we see, I guess that he's walking down the street with his other guy friend, like uh, Ryan Gosling is. I can't remember the other kid's name. And they get some bullies show up and take the camera. Right, or they they want they want their their picture taken. They want their picture taken, and then I think when he won't, they take the camera. Yeah, and they're the like classic like '90s shithead bullies, which I love, like because I I truly believe, like when there's a Stephen King bully from like the '50s, I do believe that bullies in the '50s could be unrestrained psychos with like switchblades. When it's the 90s and the bullies, like any 90s thing where there are bullies, I just don't believe a human being that it ever existed was like that. Would you say that's fair? Yeah. Yeah. I just I just don't believe humans were ever like this. Like bullies were like this. They're like, yeah, they're like Bulk and Skull from the Power Rangers. <laughs> I mean, maybe we're just, you know, sheltered or naive or, or like, whatnot. Listen, in, in, <laughs> in, um, God, what is it? Um, Listen, in Stand By Me, when Kiefer Sutherland's <laughs> character is a bully and, like, tries to rape one of the boys at knife point, like, classic 50s bully, you know? God, yeah, I mean, that, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a, yeah. And then also, like, bullies in It, like, who torture. Oh, animals. yeah. Maybe that's the one I'm thinking of. But Yeah. I mean, they're, they're both pretty bad. Stephen King yeah. clearly was bullied. Yeah, and he did not like it. He did not like um, it at all. Because I think that, those bullies usually meet pretty gruesome ends. These, yeah. these, <laughs> these meet a hilarious end. And they'll <laughs> no, be back. No, they'll be yeah, back. they'll be back. Um, um, tell us about Sherry. Yeah. So they, so Sherry wants her picture taken with the camera, which <laughs> I guess I gave, I gave Greg uh, a little bit too much credit before, because if you knew, had figured out what this camera is doing, you would have not taken her picture. However, this is, <laughs> no. this is, but, but, but they did avoid the situation with the car at first. So maybe he was doubting himself. The car did not get wrecked yeah. yet. I mean, I think really this just exists to get Peer them. pressure too. Well, yeah, but also I think just this whole situation, like plot wise, is to get her to disappear because otherwise, why wouldn't they just throw the camera away? Well, true. Um, they just like once she disappears, they need to use or fix or do something with the camera to get her back instead yeah. of just being like, we're tossing this in the river. Goodbye. I think there is a line later on, though, where they're just like, just get rid of the camera. He's like, well, no, well, we have to get her back. But also, exactly. like, what if someone else found it and did something like um, just sink it to the bottom of the river? dude? It, exactly. No one's yeah. going to like care. So they take a, they take her picture and she's not in it. And that makes everyone pretty nervous i i think that's actually one of like the in the book that was one of the more unnerving things yes um, actually i will say this whole book is unnerving again with the oh very much thing, so. again with this like they're all and again i think uh successful goosebumps do this when they're like kid level dangers or suspense like they can be pulled off better when they're like adult level threats for the kids it just well we'll get to it at the end of this book it just doesn't work it's very silly yeah so she disappears again and then we then find out that greg's dad has had an accident in a car accident he seems okay he's pretty he's in good spirits his body is broken but he is in good spirits true but uh so the, his the body other really is broken though can we talk about that <laughs> i mean he's in like he's like everything is casted up but he's yeah. in oddly good spirits <laughs> It's very strange. Uh, so that picture came true. So now we're we're scared. I mean, she is gone. 
before they before we get to the end game, the the police visit the uh visit greg and they're like where is your friend like almost like accusatory like what did you do to her like no one would nope the police would not come and act like they're this like eight-year-old murdered his best friend well it's funny you mentioned murder but yes it's a little overboard um one of the policemen i didn't know this in the outline is played by scott speedman do you know what? Scott Speedman? I absolutely of, of the know strangers. Scott Speedman. Yeah, I, yeah, I did not realize that. I think it was—it's like a blink and you miss it. And yeah. I will fully admit I was playing Switch on my couch one. <laughs> so that's very brave of you to yeah, admit. Yeah. So yeah, so they accuse him. They're like, she's missing, and he's like terrified. So, um, he and what's his nuts, um, his other friend who Ryan Gosling's friend. I, I think the character's name is Ryan Gosling's friend right <laughs> Ryan Gosling's friend go back to this little factory and and we should mention that this entire time Spidey has kind of been stalking them and just like without actually making an attempt to get the camera back just kind of watching them from afar yeah which is like wouldn't couldn't you just be like here dude get, take your camera back give me back my friend and he probably would be like okay <laughs> but yeah. they instead this happens so they go back to the factory and spidey is there and he tells them like that he invented this camera and there's this funny line where brian goss is like you invented it and he's like and <laughs> spidey gets like super angry he's like you always think i've been this wretched creature lurking in the dark like of, of course i, mean, I invented I mean, it <laughs> well also i mean kind of if you invented an yeah. evil, if you invented an evil camera, you have kind of been a wretched. Creature and he also looks and like he looks like a wretched creature, <laughs> and he's always lurking in the dark. In the dark. Um, can I tell you uh, the backstory of the camera in the book because I really love it. Yeah, absolutely. So in the book, he explains that he was the assistant to a scientist, and the scientist is the one who invented the camera. Uh, he then reveals that his name, Spidey's name, is Dr. Fritz Fredericks for reasons <laughs> unknown. I don't know why. It's a very stupid name. And then he clarifies, this is after he talks about the camera, talks about being the scientist's apprentice, talks about his real name. He loops back around to the scientist to make the reader very clear that he wasn't just a scientist. He was an evil scientist. Yeah. Yes. Which I love. Like he he had to clarify. Guys, we're not dealing with science here. We're specifically dealing with evil science. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hard sci-fi. Hard sci-fi. Go on, though. This alien camera. Uh, so he tells them, like, the secret of the camera. And then he's like, I can't let you leave. I, I don't think he doesn't say can't let you live, but it's implied that he's going to kill them. Right. Because like, now they you know, know, you know too much, you know, the secret of the camera, which again is like, why is it still around? Why are you keeping it? Just throw it away because he actively says it ruined his life too. So why do you, what to protect it? Just throw it in the, throw it in the ocean, throw it like where they threw Megatron and transformers. Yeah. Was that, a, was that a slick transformer? <laughs> Very slick. Yeah. Um, so they, uh, in the, the quick scuffle, they take a picture of him and it causes him to be trapped in his own camera. Yes. Which is that, isn't that uh, not how the camera works? Nope. Uh, not at all. <laughs> um, kind of bad. Uh, tell us, tell us the, uh, well, okay, let me, let me, let me finish the plot and then i want you to talk about the differences from the book absolutely so they, they're like all is well she cut like they get cherry back 
And the episode ends with the two bullies making their way into the factory and finding the camera. They take a picture, thus releasing Spidey. And he just menacingly, but hilariously appears behind them. Like, I don't know, where is he crouching? Like, what what happened? I don't know. And just kind of like laughs. uh, And that's the end of the episode. That's the end. Um, It's slightly different in the book. Uh, So, as I said, the the origin of the camera is different, but also uh, what they do to Spidey is different. So, similarly, they try to take a picture of Spidey to get him, you know, to not attack them. However, in the book, Spidey, like, jumps out of the way or falls out of the way um, and dies. <laughs> he dies. So essentially they murder him. It's, if you think about the camera as a weapon, they essentially shoot at him until he jumps to his own death. And here's a direct quote from the book. <clears throat> Reluctantly, Greg stared back towards Dr. Fredericks. Following close behind, Sherry uttered a low cry of horror when she clearly saw the man's fallen face. Eyes bulged out, the mouth open in a twisted O of terror. The face stared up at them, frozen, dead. Dr. Fredericks was dead. That's the book. It makes sense why they changed it for a kid's TV show. You know what? I think it does. Um, but again, this is early goosebumps. <clears throat> so like people would die. There would be actual like consequences. Things were intense. Um, and you're going to get nothing like this in, say, by the time we get to Beast of the East. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. But again, just like in the show, um, in the book, the two bumbling bullies find it. And there is a Say Cheese and Die 2 that centers around the bullies, and it's horrible. It's it's pretty bad. I remember it was so excited when it came out because it was one of the biggest gaps between the original and the sequel because Say Cheese and Die was book four or five. Yes. And Say Cheese and Die again was like 40 something, maybe. I think there's a reason for that because he was really holding off on having to do it because he knew it was going to be shit. <laughs> yeah, probably. So, I mean, we've, we've been talking about this throughout as we usually do about what works and doesn't work. I mean, I, I really like this show is campy and bad. And I think that works and doesn't work for it. And that's kind of all I have to say about it. I mean, for me as a Goosebumps fan, I do like seeing the books that I loved, like memorialized like this in, a, in, in video, you know, format uh, is even when it's bad. I think it's fun as a kid. I loved it. Uh, now it's pretty ridiculous. And yeah, I mean, it's again, it's not, a, it's, it's a pretty objectively bad show and that, that works for and against it. If you're in the, yeah, I, I fully agree with that. If you're in the mood to kick back and watch, say, with like a friend or a significant other, like something super campy and silly and ridiculous that you can turn to each other and kind of joke about and laugh about, I think this is ideal. Um, I think if you're just watching alone, you probably have insane nostalgia for goosebumps. Also, I think watching this with someone makes it better because I've watched these alone. And they're simultaneously campy and goofy and funny, but also so fucking boring. And I don't know how those two things are possible when each episode is like 20 minutes. Yeah. But it feels insufferably boring, yet also fun and campy at the same time. Very true. Um, So I would recommend watching this with someone. But basically everything you said is completely true. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, that's what works and what doesn't. So for what Goosebumps would look like as a video game, I didn't do like the series as a whole. I just did each one of these stories. I like that. I, I did sort of the series as a whole a little bit more. Um, so I'm curious to see what we came up with. <clears throat> so do you want to talk about your series as a whole? 
I'm yeah. curious about that. So I, I wasn't thinking series as a whole, like obviously is the whole Goosebumps series, but I was thinking if you were to do video games, you could do like Goosebumps one. And the idea would be to cluster, say, you know, five, six of the books together, Goosebumps two, Goosebumps three, doing the same thing. I was imagining something like Lego Star Wars or any of those Lego games where you can kind of enter <laughs> each um each story on its own but they shared gameplay elements okay um so specifically what i'm thinking of is i've been playing a lot of nes remix um uh lately and i told you about that which has you switching essentially entire nes games and play modes uh, and styles you know constantly and little bite-sized uh, nuggets so i was thinking that you could have five six goosebumps books uh how to kill a monster um say cheese and die things like that in the same game but you got kind of get to pick the portal um for each book to go into and like Lego Star Wars, you know, it wouldn't be like Lego Star Wars. It wouldn't be action adventure. It'd be more like a fusion of adventure game and stealth game, most likely. Um, and you would kind of use those two metrics to finish each each book. Um, but they would all be separate. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That so works. that was mine. I think that's a way to do multiple books in one game. And you could do you could have like Goosebumps, you know, one through seven or whatever. Um, and you could cover a large chunk of the series that way. Hmm. Okay. I'm not saying they'd be great books, or I'm sorry, I'm not saying they'd be great games. I'm sure they'd be like six or sevens out of ten, but it'd be a way to do it. Okay. Yeah. How about you? So I so for how to kill a monster. So you know that type of 2D platformer in the 90s where they take a like a smaller scale movie or a TV show and expand it out to a ridiculous degree just to make a video game. Like the like home improve, like the home improvement NES or I, SNES game. I was gonna say Home Alone 2 Lost in New York for game boy like we're like a vacuum cleaner is like a, an enemy you know like <laughs> yes. it's it, you know what i mean like i don't yes. even know if there's a vacuum cleaner in the movie they just add shit in yes. so i pictured this per as an snes era 2d platformer you can switch between the two kids like donkey kong and like there's like levels like the swamp and like house first floor <laughs> house second, you know what i mean where it's like yeah. way bigger than it actually environments like way bigger and the enemies quote are like <laughs> the grandparents are like a boss the creepy grandpa's like a boss like a gumbo monster or, i was like, gonna say or, like, or here's rats here's what i'm imagining i'm imagining a giant hopping up and down red pepper with like an angry face that yes. shoots fireballs yes exactly yes that's exactly what i was and like like, like little like rats or like and then obviously the monster itself where you have to like yes. there's like a chase level where you have to run away from it like that would, would the monster be like the emmys from metroid dread of course yeah <laughs> i mean pretty much but <laughs> yeah. better and i like as i was thinking about this i pictured it so vividly it made me wish that i was like talented enough to know how to like make a video game i would love to see this be a video I would, game i would love that i would love to play it i i would i'm not as enthusiastic about my say cheese and die game i pictured this as like a ps2 ps3 era game like that's a little like grainy at times maybe that more like ps2 era i picture like a, maybe like a silent hill 2 type like graphic style and you've got these like it's like this dialogue tree centered like thriller where like the missions of the game or you get this photo of something bad happening and you need to try to prevent it from happening by talking oh. to people and convincing them not to do the thing that would otherwise lead to their demise. And it's like oh. a puzzle game where you have to try to figure out how to do that. 
Okay, as you were saying that out loud, I absolutely love that idea. I think it's incredible. I was thinking of a game not having anything to do with Goosebumps, but the idea of a camera that can predict the future. And it's similarly a puzzle game. And you get, say, three shots. And you have to explore an environment and pick carefully which three pictures you're going to take. And the pictures will change the future. And then you can kind of press play on the, like, world to make sure things come out the way they need to. I like that too. What do you think about that? I like that. It's, not, it's the exact opposite, you know, and Goosebumps, mm-hmm. horrifying things happen. Yeah. But yeah, I love that. You have to prevent the picture from ever happening. That's incredible. Yeah. Thank I you. Think that's, I think that's better than the um, How to Kill a Monster one. I oh. want to see and play the How to Kill a Monster. Yeah. Just I, for I, that like era and that style. Yeah. Yeah. It would be just, I think I just have such like a fondness now for How to Kill a Monster. And I'm so glad you picked that episode. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, <laughs> uh, what about you? Well, I just said mine. So it would be well, the sorry. kind of the, yeah, yeah. the kind of anthology. It would be like adventure game and maybe stealth uh, kind of thing. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I actually thought I already asked and answered myself the would you want to live in this world? And I oh, asked you when you, but oh, no, I didn't oh, even ask that yet. Gotcha. Uh, I would absolutely not want to live in either one of these worlds. Well, so that's the thing. I don't consider them separate worlds. I consider them like the Goosebumps world. I'm imagining they both take place in the same world. So do you think that the opening sequence of this TV show, which, by the way, is a banger of a song. Oh, yeah. Is, yeah. is real where R.L. Stein actually let all of his like horrors on this like out on this world and all of this is happening in a shared universe? Yes. OK, I don't. Yes. But that's okay. I mean, maybe isn't that like the whole plot of the Goosebumps? That's the plot of the first movie. Yes. Also, the intro implies that, though. That as he's walking around his stories, it does. I just, I don't know. I don't. But I don't want to live in this world, no matter Um, what. I would, because all of the dangers are like avoidable if you're remotely intelligent, Um, and I think it'd be fun. Okay. (laughs) So I'm gonna go. Yes. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Um, before before we jump into fan fiction corner, can we just discuss the fact that Netflix has confirmed uh, a reboot and it began production in April 2020? So presumably it's going to come out pretty soon. Oh, I don't th- either didn't know that or forgot it. Um, probably forgot it. But Netflix, as of you April, would have told me about it, I, I may have, and you forgot because you're a piece of shit. But yeah, I'm, um, a, I'm a real Clark. You, you are a real Clark. But um, as of April 2020, Netflix did announce uh, there will be a reboot for the series. Um, I don't know how COVID impacted that, but uh, I would hope to see it come out soon. I haven't really heard anything, and I don't want to look up anything more about it. Yeah. I want to be surprised. What hopes do you have for the reboot? What kind of wish casting do you want to do, if any? I, and I have no wish casting, but I would love for them to try to take now that they've had like the full-on bad production like kid quality show i would love to see them try to upscale each of these stories to be a little bit more geared towards our demographic our current demographic i think it might be really hard because some of these stories inherently are ridiculous but I'd be really interested to see. I, I think you can do this effectively. Are you imagining live action or animation? I'm imagining live action, like 40, like five, 50 minute episodes or like uh, full hour episodes. I See, I'm imagining. Yeah, I'm imagining 40 minute episodes, longer episodes because it's on Netflix. I'm imagining CG, though. I'm imagining something like Camp Cretaceous. Oh, see, I don't know if I want that. I do because if you think about it, um, you know, it can, they can make production values 
the same across the board. It would just be way easier to produce. And based on things like Star Wars, The Clone Wars, and those shows, you can do effective, like, visual storytelling in that style, I believe. Um, yeah, that's that's what I want. Also, um, what I'm scared that they'll do, because the modern Goosebumps uh, series do this with, like, um, the Horrorland series or, like, the Slappy World series or all those different ones... I don't want this to be like an mm. ongoing serialized story, which I'm afraid they'll try and do. I want this to be a pure anthology. Okay. Yeah. I, I have, again, I have no expectations. I guess I, depending on what it turns out to be, I may or may not check it out. I do desperately hope that like the VHS versions, there's like a little intro by RL Stein before each episode. I would be down for that. Yeah. I'd like that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, did you find any fan fiction? No. Yeah, I, None. I, I really didn't because I wasn't looking for Goosebumps specifically. I was looking exactly. for these two stories specifically. I found two things kind of, one for each. Oh, um, I, I found something related to Say Cheese and Die again. And it's not, yes. uh, it's not, it's not fan fiction. Please tell me everything. Um, it, it's a, it's from a Tumblr Oh. It's called it's it's from a kink blog about Whoa. fatness and weight gain. Sure. Um it's called Say Cheese and Die Again, Weight Gain Part One. Oh boy. And he is like, Yep, reading the book again. I confirm that Greg's age is given in, in Say Cheese and Die Again. It's mentioned that his brother Terry is 16, four years older than Greg. So he's not even 13 in the book, but 12. I also can't help but think, but he was supposed to be older than 12 in the first book. At least he acted in a more mature, mature way. Anyway. So the weight gain happens because of one of the camera curves. So it's basically he's he talks about how to integrate weight gain into the story. Well, also, if I remember correctly, Say Cheese and Die 2, weight gain is part of the story because when they take pictures of each other, I think one of the bullies gets really fat and one of the bullies gets really skinny. Oh, so it's, it's like a thinner situation, but on both ends. Oh, for the I, second one. I didn't remember that at all. I thought yes. that this guy was just trying to like create no, that's, that that's literally the plot of two but is he trying to insert it into one uh i maybe i mean yeah he's well anyway it, the, the title says say cheese and die again and i don't want to like spend too much time trying to dissect this but there is a lot of i mean it's not that long but there is like he kind of talks in like details about like their the fatness of the characters um and it's more than like it's greg too uh I don't know. It's, it's weird. Uh, that's, that's literally all I found. And I don't even know why it popped up. It was like the fourth result. And when I searched for like say cheese and die fan fiction. So, so um, I, I, I found, I didn't find any fan fiction for how to kill a monster. Um, I did find this review though, that this guy thinks he's really intelligent and really brilliant um and i would he does have a few good points but he's clearly is trying to impress you know an, an unseen author or an unseen reader but um i'll just his name is jay he's from new zealand i'll just read this this block roald dahl once said quote you can write anything for children as long as you as long as you have humor end quote truer words were never spoken and stein follows this doctrine with such barefaced enthusiasm he turns the most ludicrous concept into a rollicking good time hmm. Then he proceeds to go over the entire story. Um, let's see. There's one. There's one line. Oh, wait, no, that's in the other one. So that's it, basically. 
Um, he thinks he's very brilliant. But I did like that one line. Um, the other fan fiction that is the ultimate fan fiction, which is for Seiji and I, I'm surprised that you didn't note it because you gave it to me. Um, what? <laughs> fan, fan fiction uh, has reached its final form when it becomes truly published, wouldn't you say? Yes. Um, so the final form of Say Cheese and Die fan fiction is called Goose Flumps, Eat Cheese and Barf. Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Wouldn't you say that's the ultimate fan fiction? Yeah. Because it's actually published fan fiction. That's, you're right. So uh, I'm going to read the back of Goose Flumps, Say Cheese and Barf, and then I'm going to read an excerpt that I found. In, I didn't read the whole thing, but I did read the first half. Okay. So um, <clears throat> this is the back. Also, first of all, I like on the second, it says buy two. That's it. Because only two of these were ever released and they knew it and they embraced it. I like I that, but I also wish there were more. As a kid, I like wanted more of these, even though they were noticeably worse. Oh, incredibly. So here's the description. Moving to cow country. Billy Boy Futter is unthrilled when his family inherits Breakwind Farms. He's a dairy dork, a hurling whore when it comes to milk products. Too bad his new town is dairy capital of the world. When Billy and his friend Fanny discover a cheese brain in the basement, cheese brain, no explanation, just says cheese brain. They don't realize they've enlisted, unleashed a cottage cheese monster. It expands as it consumes everyone in its path. Good thing Martha the talking cow is on their side and Fanny's foul smelling burps are the ultimate secret weapon. Will Chunky Cheese Slime the dairy dance before Billy's sister is crowned dairy queen? Barfarama. <laughs> um, I hated every moment. Of that. I hated every moment. <laughs> so here's, I'm going to read this to you. This is taken out of context, but I, I just, let's take this in for what it is. <clears throat> this is from the book. Man, you sure scream a lot, Jerry said. He picked me up by the collar again. Let's go behind the milk museum where no one can see us. We don't want anybody breaking this up. <laughs> That's, wow. I'm going to, I'm going to read that out of context and just let you go from there. Uh, I couldn't possibly tell you what happens next, except I know what doesn't happen next, which is exactly what it sounds like. Yeah, it's what's going yeah. to happen. Next. Sexual assault does not happen, but it yeah. really seems like it's setting it up. It sure does. So yeah, disappointing fan fiction corner. Um, but would you say Goosebumps as a whole or these two stories, do they warrant fan fiction? Oh, absolutely. And I've got, well, I can I can get my How, how to Kill a Monster. We already talked about my How yes. to Kill a Monster. It was Clark and Gretchen age 30. I just want like a glimpse in their each of their lives. And mine was the, the How to Kill a Monster 2 where they're avoiding hundreds of swamp monsters. So we talked before the show about how how knowing us it's kind of likely we could have the same fan fiction idea for say cheese and die i want to hear yours unless you'd rather hear mine first oh i thought you meant fan i think you meant like actual fan fiction i thought oh. it was the eat cheese and barf oh because, no no because no you literally gave it to me oh yeah i, I see what you're saying now uh yeah. no i have this is my idea for fan fiction oh gotcha gotcha go on and i have two words for you and then Please. you can just let your mind go please Death Note. <gasps> oh, fuck. That's wild. But what if Greg takes like a picture of an entire wedding party? Do they all go? I, I don't know. I, I it, The possibilities are endless, though. Imagine like Spidey is like, um, what's his face? Uh, I can't, I already can't, I can't remember. Ryuk? Um, uh, yeah, Ryuk. Yeah, Ryuk. And like he just decided, like, basically Ryan Gosling's character become, I mean, <laughs> It's a, it's a book. I keep calling it like this is the, the main version of it, which is with Ryan Gosling. But Greg just becomes this like 
megalomaniac, but this like genius who decides to try to make the world a better place by using this camera to either make people he doesn't like disappear or die or use it to threaten other people. And I would love that. And then Scott he, Speedman's detective is like L. Here's here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking uh, an unhinged Gosling just walks around to go say cheese, and no one does it, and he goes then die. <laughs> Give me thirty chapters of that. Oh, I know. Um, but the possibilities so, of like using the this camera for like death note purposes are endless. They're pretty great. Um, mine was more um, prequelish. So Spidey, at least in the book, mentions how he was an apprentice for an evil scientist and that he stole the camera. Right. And now all this mis- misfortune has befallen him. Give me that story. Yeah, I'd like that. Yeah, who was Spidey before he was the evil scientist apprentice? Why did he rebel against him? I want that story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we have to do Kingdom Hearts Corner because it's so, Goosebumps and we have to combine our I passions. saw you had like a quick bullet on this in the outline and I just, I'm not saying I, I disagree and I'm not saying I won't go with you on this journey, but I'm but I'm also like after we so ceremoniously retired uh, Kingdom Hearts Corner out into the world, like you really want to bring it back? You want to you haul, well, you want to dig okay. it up and bring it, bring it okay. up? But much like Nomura said that Kingdom Hearts 2 is in production, but then crammed Chain of Memories down our throats. <laughs> I'm going to just zip and, you know, I'm going to zag when everyone thinks I'm zigging, and I'm going to revive it this one time. I Okay, I, I will, I will, um, I don't know, I can't, I, I have no authority. Uh, we're co-hosts, so I'm not going to say allow. I will uh, listen you will you will con- you will consent to it happening i will consent to to your you 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 just defiling the corpse of kingdom hearts corner that we so beautifully laid to rest well here's the thing i didn't even have anything i was just gonna make it up on the spot <laughs> I, um, I mean i like that even more yeah but... i'm gonna say sora crashes into Bumpland, <laughs> um and he he has to go into several books like winnie the pooh but they're rl stein books and defeat the Heartless to save all of Bumpland. I think that that would be even better if Winnie the Pooh was on the journey with them and reacting to everything that was happening. I love that too. Or your party member for the world is R.L. Stein. <laughs> what do you think his combat abilities would be? I don't know, and I actually don't think I've ever seen him walk around. But I, <laughs> I but I picture, but I picture him walking with like the biggest hunch, oh, like he's a hunchback. Yes. Oh yes, yeah. Also, too, I imagine him like instead of running with other characters, his character runs into the shadowy spots and like melts into them and pops up like where there are other shadows. Like you never see him run. <laughs> like he just he just shadow travels to wherever he needs to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was goosebumps, kind of. <laughs> it was, yeah. Uh hope, hope you all had a good time. We yeah. we sure did. Yeah, when you're not bumping, well, what have you been up to? Um, all right. So I've been watching some movies. Been I, I so my brother and I put down Elden Ring in our second playthrough because we were actually kind of bored. Let me let me here's my take on Elden Ring. Or uh, one take. Is it Elden, a hot take? Elden Ring is a great game. It is, I think, the least fun I've had playing a from software game co-op. Yeah, and I, so I've been thinking about it a lot. I think it's definitely just objectively their best game. But I think where it suffers is in curated, like curate, just curation in general. Like say what you will about Dark Souls one or two, 
I won't bring three into the mix, but they're highly curated experiences, which Elden Ring has, but their Elden Ring puts large stretches of uncurated experience between. Um, whereas Dark Souls one and two, it's it's essentially all curated. Every, yeah. every enemy is placed, every everything is placed. There's no big empty world to wander around in. And I think that's where it falls flat. But I will say objective or objective. Yeah, objectively, Elden Ring is a better game. We are and like we're not doing like every catacombs, all this stuff. Like we're only doing like main areas, like main big dungeons. And we don't even do all of them together. We'll just be like, oh, I'll just meet you at the next site of grace. Because it's like we're not motivated to kill everything because A, I think this game has a problem with making enemies hard to kill that don't give you a good enough reward of runes. Absolutely not. Enemies uh, in general, the runes are extremely stingy. And the late ga- there's a late game difficulty spike that is unforgivable, especially because enemies still don't drop many. And there's abilities to farm that I don't like exploiting, but it's an open world game. And so it's easy to exploit them. And I have, and we have, and it just kind of, it makes us not want to go through these areas like bit by bit and kill everything. And we don't, we can get those experiences with the other games. And so what we did is we stopped playing about 75% of the way through the game, actually maybe more like 80, 90. And we started playing Demon Souls, the remake yeah. together. And yeah. it's, a, and I love Demon Souls. It's great. Uh, it's obviously weird going from Elden Ring to Demon Souls because it's like, you're going way back and there's a lot keep, of dated things. Do you keep trying to jump and you can't? <laughs> yeah. I, I did actually try. I was, it's very weird going back, but at the same time, it's, it wasn't too, too difficult, but there, you know, there's some, a little bit of annoying things that you need to work with, but also, you mean, blue point really went all out for that demon souls remake. I mean, the graphics and the demon souls remake are better than Elden rings graphics. Like, yeah, I think which without, makes sense because, because that was built from the ground up for PS5. Elden Ring is cross. Right. And and they even emphasized, Miyazaki emphasized, I think early in the production, they weren't trying to make no. this the most graphically advanced game, no. which is fine. But it's just, it's refreshing to go back and play that. Um, so that was a long uh, Elden Ring Demon Souls tangent. But I, so I've been playing Binding of Isaac more because I'm still addicted. I just started Chrono Cross, which I texted you about this morning. I literally started it today. And I'm already very much enjoying it. And, you know, we talked about Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross on this podcast before. We don't have to talk about it too much now, but I'm just going to say, I don't, I wouldn't even care if it had nothing to do with Chrono Trigger. I'm already just kind of into the world. Well, and without spoiling anything, um, it, it takes a little bit to fully see the seeds planted from Chrono Trigger, but they're there. And once you kind of see them and they bloom, like it's, it's just a, it's, it's an incredible game. It's just an incredible game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, two movies I'll mention really quick. One is Sorcerer. It's a movie by William Friedkin who directed The Exorcist. It is notable for being a movie that came out right before Star Wars. And so it like bombed at the box office and no one gave a shit about it and people hated it. <laughs> um, that be, like even they were just like, I think that you know, the, the people who worked on the movie were like seeing Star Wars after Sorcerer came out and they were like, can you believe that this th- this movie is so good it makes ours look like a piece of shit? Um, I, that said, so it's a movie about these kind of like four people who are living in South America who are, are, are on the kind of like all on the run from the law and they agree to transport this very um, unstable dynamite from one place to another and it's kind of a constant suspense, 
but at the same time, it's a movie that lasts two hours. So, you know, the dynamite's not going to blow up in the first like 30 minutes. <laughs> so it, it's, it's that kind of robbed it of some of the suspense, but overall I thought it was, it was okay. It wasn't bad, but it was okay. okay. A movie that I loved that Miranda and I watched last night is called Tom Popo. It is apparently a pretty famous Japanese movie from the 80s. Uh, notably, uh, the only cast member I recognize in is Ken Watanabe, uh, young Ken Watanabe. It is a comedy, which I honestly don't think I've ever seen a live action Japanese comedy I, yeah, in I my life, no. which is it, it's a weird blind spot. I, I didn't realize till after I'd seen the movie and, but man, was this movie so funny and so delightful and so good. It is. So the, 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 the one like through line is like, there are these two truck drivers that happen upon a, like a kind of like low quality ramen shop. And this like widowed owner whose name is Tom Popo is like, you know, they kind of like form a bond with her and they are just like, I'm gonna, they're like the, the main, one of the truck drivers who wears like a cowboy hat because he's supposed to be like represent this cowboy who comes into town, saves the day and then rides off into the sunset. He's like, I'm going to help you be like the best ramen shop owner, like ever. I don't know how he knows these, how he has these skills, but he <laughs> takes it upon himself to try to help her. And so that's like kind of what happens. We keep revisiting their story throughout and it's really that's that alone is really fun and engaging. That's kind of like where the story starts. That's where the story ends. Her becoming becoming a better like you know uh, ramen shop owner, like maker of ramen. Well, thanks for ruining it. Through whatever, <laughs> I really highly recommend you check this movie out though. But like throughout the movie, they cut to other people in just general like to- in Tokyo. I think it takes place in Tokyo. But either way, like and and just it, the movie is about food and loving food. And sometimes literally food porn. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Okay. Um, but it, it's just this like funny, like lighthearted movie about loving food. And it's just delightful. It, it was, it's called like a ramen Western as like a joke. And it kind of is, it's a Western movie in a way, like, like I just described about like a cowboy comes to, comes to town yeah. and this saves the day. And I, I couldn't recommend this movie enough. It, huh. it, we, we, we really, really loved it. Nice. Um, yeah, I'll have to check it out. Um, for me, no movies. Um, or rather, <laughs> no, uh, a big movie I just saw. Yeah. X. Um, I, I just saw X, um, which you highly recommended. Um, I liked it. I thought it was very good. I thought it was very fun. Excuse me. Um, it's not a perfect movie. Yeah, agreed. Um, but it, it was definitely quite a bit of fun. It definitely leaned into like every possible uh, slasher trope while doing kind of its own things um, in a fun way. Um, I liked all the kind of the winks and nods to other slashers. I like how even though it allowed itself to be very straightforward in some ways, um, the ways in which it de- did deviate were huge enough for the genre to still be continually interesting. Yeah, I just don't think it did. I don't know where my expectations were because I didn't really have any specific expectations going in. I just felt like it didn't do enough. When the, when shit hits the fan finally, and it's it's very fun, I just think I wanted more from it. The other, yeah, the other thing too is uh, I watched the American Horror Story. There's an entire season where it takes place in like a murder camp. Um, and it's just like that whole season capitalized on every single possible horror slasher movie like tropes. 
that um but it played out over like five or six episodes whereas this kind of crammed everything in x kind of crammed everything in into a two-hour movie Mm -hmm. um and as unlikely as it sounds that an entire like slasher story at a camp like overnight could take place across like five episodes american horror story actually kind of pulls it off Hmm. um and it's i like that season even though some people did not i did not watch it yeah um, but yeah, that and reading One Piece, I just cracked uh, chapter 800 on One Piece. There's like a thousand now, so I'm getting close to catching up with it. Nice. Um, I've discovered One Piece's trick. Um, it's what One Piece oh. does. And well, do you want me to just tell you? I mean, as I mean long it's not, it's spoil not, it's not really a spoiler. It's just like the, the trick to an arc is the Straw Hats go to a new country. The country is either trying to be taken over by someone bad, already taken over by someone bad, or someone bad is influencing the good person who's in charge of the country. The Straw Hats come in, they shake things up, um, they defeat the bad guy, the country moves on and everyone's happy and the country is liberated. Um, that's basically every single story arc, <laughs> um, which is fine because- uh, in Not Thriller one, Bark, street, at least maybe, maybe at a certain point it, it start, they started doing that. Not, not Thriller Bark, but like you think Alabasta. about it, Alabasta, Skypea, yeah. like- most of the arcs are that, um, but I'm fine with it because they constantly do things to change it up. Um, and uh, they're now kind of gearing up towards uh, kind of the end game. Like it, it feels very much like the end game is coming, um, which for One Piece could mean in like 700 chapters. Yeah. Um, because in One Piece, they like now, just now, characters are meeting people that were referenced in like chapter 300. Um, so you can tell Oda had like, this insane epic plan for a long time and now is like paying off in big bad ways that I really like the dopamine squirts in my brain that are happening sometimes as like they they reference things or things are getting checked off the list of like oh this needs to happen now for this big plot point to happen so it's fun it's really fun I would recommend that you get back into watching it I, I I'm slowly wanking my way through Thriller Bark uh, it's not giving me the dopamine squirts. No, th- Thriller Bark definitely. I listen. I get the I get the real D squirts um, in later one piece. Um, I don't think Thriller Bark gives you a lot of D squirts, but I would say get through it. I think we should end with that. Yeah. Oh, and for some serious D squirts. Oh yeah. Why is it though? It is. You get so many D squirts. I, I guess for some reason D D squirts. <laughs> sounds so like just just vile. like a, a vile and and the how the grinch stole christmas the classic um uh work of dr seuss and uh live uh chuck jones is not vile it gives it's you wonderful. it gives you dopamine squirts but though. it does it gives you the d squirts it gives you the d squirts so, so go so s- strap on those earmuffs so that and, the, the dopamine won't leak out of your ears because yeah. of how much will be flooding your brain <laughs> yeah go get those squirts <laughs> go get them